You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I'm your host, Trilificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. If you want additional content from me and my squad, or you just want to support the show and Flawless Noises Media Network, subscribe to the Flawless Noises Patreon. It's patreon.com slash flawless noises. Or you can buy some merch. Gay Side Story shirts are available. So go to flawlessnoises.com slash store and pick something up. And now let's start the show. So I have a very illustrious vip guest this week and y'all might know her for being a force on the internet or you might also know her as one half of the brand new hilarious friend in my head podcast i got miss gia with me hey you guys hi and let's preface this by saying that she still ain't for everybody ain't nothing changed (laughs) (laughs) not a motherfucking thing bitch but i'm here (laughs) right so before we get started first shout out to your co-host drea yes and why don't you talk a little bit about friend in my head how you guys started it and what's what it's about Okay, well, first, hey, Drea, hey, boo. Um, Friend in my head um, started because Drea and I um, began on YouTube together. Like, we started way back before everybody was doing these Steven Spielberg-ass productions and shit. So (laughs) (laughs) we were literally the first black partners on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So um, we were there for the rollout of the partnership program and everything. And we just, like, became really good friends. And, you know, we were both putting out, like, a lot of videos all the time and a lot of people over the years would refer to us as their big sister or the friend in their head and so um maybe about a year and a half maybe about a year or so ago she and I were talking and we were like you know we should maybe jump into the podcast thing and um And so we just decided to do like, you know, a podcast and call it friend in my head because, you know, that's what everybody calls us. And, you know, people who follow us and everything, that's just been the thing. So we felt like it would be the most appropriate. And it's been a lot of fun for these past, what, three months, three, four months. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were offensive on Ratchet Ramblings. Listen, y'all be on some other shit. Well, you know what? Let me not say that because somebody gonna come for my wig. I can already feel Candace fixing her fingers to be like, uh, nigga. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's a dope show. Uh, Awesome conversation. Very real. Um... And you guys check it out. I, I like it a lot. Thank you I'd so like, much. Come on. Oh, when I see that purple on Friday, I'd be like, oh, body rolling <laughs> in my seat at work. It and is listen, time. We are not for everybody. I'm going to just go ahead and warn you guys now. Our our uh, followers have dubbed us the problematic aunties. And it fits. So, <laughs> and it is very fitting. Like we, we, every week, one of us says something that's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Should we edit that out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I can I too can relate to this. <laughs> Not I too. <laughs> because listen, we did Ratchet Ramblers yesterday and uh-huh. some of that stuff I was saying, I was like, this is what I get for getting high while we record because See? <laughs> I just sometimes I just don't know where my mind goes. But you know what? It's right. fine. This is what y'all come for. I will yeah. say though, listen, if you don't have a thick skin, this is more particular for the men. Uh-huh. Uh 
men who like fi- women and feminine people, feminine mm-hmm. presenting people. Listen, if you're not confident in your dick, friend of my head is not for you. It is not because we will tear you to shreds every yep. single listen, fucking time, bitch. If you insecure about your little dick, don't listen to that <laughs> podcast. Okay. If you have fixed designs on Gia, but you uncut, don't, don't even. <laughs> listen don't even hurt your feelings listen it's plenty of people out here who love uncut dicks gia is not one of them it is what it is you gotta have a thick skin no pun intended you gotta have a thick skin and a thick dick okay (laughs) (laughs) listen don't even come my way if it's not if it's not birthed by god given by jesus i don't want it i don't want it Birth by God, risen by Jesus, and if it don't make her see the devil when it's in her, she don't want it. Got it. Exactly. Got him. I need that exorcist dick, okay? I need that. <laughs> mm, I'm going to go out on the limb and say probably not. <laughs> Let's dial it back just a tad. <laughs> Listen, we don't need to see the haunting of Gianna on fucking Netflix. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it would make for good TV, though. You know what? That's fair. Maybe yeah. we do need it. Hey, Netflix, <laughs> make sure you give us that executive producer credit, all right? Listen, I you got you. heard it you. here. I got you. All right. What a great way to start the show. So let's... It's always a good way to start a show. I agree. We're going to slide into the first segment. That is the Queer Query. Question. All right. First question. Uh, and this is specific for you because I was curious, but what's a negative interaction you've had with the gay man of color that, uh, I don't know, left you feeling a way or that you had to educate or challenge somebody? Oh, my goodness. Have I had a, a negative interaction with a gay man? Um, You know what? I Honestly, I, I can't say that I recall having an, a negative interaction with a gay man. Now, I will say that I've had a negative interaction with like trans Twitter. Mm. Um, yeah, that was not good. Um, cause basically, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person if, if I, if there is something that I don't get, I'm going to go to the source like you, of course, I'm, I'm the queen of telling people to get on Google and read some shit. But there was a discussion that was going on on Twitter. I don't even remember exactly what it was, um, but it was going on on Twitter. And I asked the question like, you know, because I was watching the interactions and everything between, you know, uh, trans people and mm-hmm. just, I guess, you know, people, I guess, who are not trans. And so I asked the question and someone retweeted it, didn't answer it. They just retweeted the shit. And next thing I know, all of trans Twitter was in my mentions. And they were like, um, we don't owe you an explanation for shit. You can get your ass on Google or you can PayPal me if you. And I was like, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it was just like, it's like I get the whole don't ask questions thing because I'm very much so that way as well. But. My thing is, is at the time I was very curious about it because I didn't, I I don't, I don't really in my personal life, I don't know 
um, any trans people. And so I felt like because the discussion was being had, I felt like it would be a great opportunity for me to ask a question. Right. And um, but they, you know, they really got offense offended. And and the question that I asked, I made sure that I tiptoed around how I said it because I don't even remember what I asked, but I just made sure that it wasn't offensive and it was something that I wanted to know. And I just kind of felt like, you know, I didn't know very much and I still don't, but I was working to learn to, you know, become an ally because I can't, and this is just my personal opinion. I can't stand behind anything that I don't understand. You see what I'm saying? So like, I can't, I'm not saying that I don't like people do what you want. I I support, I respect and everything. But I feel also that in order for me to be a real ally, I feel like I need to have like some kind of understanding. And yeah, I can go to Google and I can learn things for sure. Like, of course, anybody can go to Google. But if you have somebody that's having like an you guys are having an open discussion and someone who wants to understand comes in and and they're like, okay, well, you know, why attack that person? And so from that point, Point on, I was like, I won't ask any more questions. I'll just mind the business that fucks me uh, on the weekends, and and that's it. Because <laughs> <but> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had like any any negative interactions with gay men, though. Like, mm. um, I have. I've always had like ever since maybe elementary school. I've had. I've always had a lot of gay friends, mm-hmm. and so I, I've never really had like any negative interactions with. Um, with gay men, but that that situation on Twitter was yeah. a little. Just a I little... vaguely remember that happening too, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah." And it, it's that fine line because sometimes people in the community, or when those these discussions come up, you want it's it's tricky because you don't want to be like, "Okay, y'all need to not be so sensitive," but at the same, it's like sometimes you have to learn where to place your rage and your anger because you you don't want to filter everything through this angry lens because then you're missing out on opportunities to just have a conversation mm-hmm. and if you run to anger because you feel like someone doesn't understand and, and you assume that they haven't done any research it's like okay but if we're if i'm looking at a conversation happening mm-hmm. i don't understand that reaction now if somebody's coming in being blatantly disrespectful or flippant and dismissive and then i can see being like okay but you're not being receptive anyway so just do your googles or shut the fuck up but if someone's like okay i have a genuine question and i'm trying my best not to be offensive sometimes i don't agree with the you just need to google it like Mm -hmm. sometimes people learn better through having that interaction than they do if they just were reading information on the screen but I'm also not trans, so I can't speak for the trans community. I'm just right. saying it's there are instances because there may not be someone like you that is like, OK, well, I mean, you know, y'all plucked my edges with tweezers, but I'm still in support because <laughs> other people are going to be like, well, since y'all coming at me with all this vitriol, y'all can die. Right. Right. And you miss out on the opportunity to take someone who's on the fence and becoming an an ally because you're mad because people are asking questions and you lash out at this one person. That's all I'm saying. Lash out when it's necessary. I 100% back that up and I believe it. But Mm -hmm. not not every case deserves a, oh, dumb bitch, just Google. Why are you asking us? It's like, "Ah." personally, I straddle that fence of, if you come at me like that, fuck (laughs) y'all. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not being mean. I'm not being, I'm just, I want to have a conversation because you're here and I can see you. Right. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. I get that. Like, it's just, it's just, to me, it's, it's a lot and I completely get it and I completely understand why, you know, people, um, or even, you know, trans people rather would be like, you know, sensitive because, you know, a lot of people come for, come for their necks all the time. So I completely get it. But I think also too, that, you know, it's, it's important to, um, at least be receptive to having this discussion. Like, you know, if someone, right. now if someone, again, as you said, if they're asking and you know that they're trying to just get like a reaction out of Twitter or they're just trying to get a reaction out of you in general, then I get, you know, jumping on the defensive and saying, look, bitch, not only will I kick your ass, but I'm going to direct you to Google after. I get that. But right. my question was very genuine. Like it, I even said afterwards because they, they ended up, some one of them ended up adding you know, one of the more popular trans people on, on Twitter or whatever. And I was just like, look, I will block every last one of you niggas in my mentions right now. (laughs) It is not, it is not that serious. Like I literally, I wanted to know, you don't want to answer it. You told me to Google, Google has given me a generic response. And I figured since you guys were having this open discussion in which at least one of you said, you know, you can be educated. Okay. If I'm asking you the question, why not, you know why not help a nigga out like yeah. but okay never mind back to regular twitter <laughs> no problem yeah. and you know that's the, my only thing like i get it and like i said if that's your way of coping have at it it's just right. that you know i hate to see a situation where someone who could have become an ally get turned away because y'all are being mean that day right that's right. all and i'm all for listen I'm all for being mean. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's cathartic. <laughs> However, as you know, I pick and choose where I apply. That's all I'm saying. So next right. question. Right. No questions asked. If you had the power, what's something in your life that you would redo or change? You know what? I would probably, I never, I, I don't think I've ever said this, you know, because I always try to live my life like, you know, with minimal regret. But if I could change anything like, it would definitely be, um, you know, like in my in my early 20s, like I worked in the adult industry. So I'd probably take that away mainly because um, people kind of use that sometimes like, you know, and it's been what, 13, 14 years later at this point, mm-hmm. 14 years later. And people try to use that as a like anytime I you know, have an opinion about something or if I question something that they're doing, then they'll kind of throw that in my face as though I don't have the right to ask questions or that my opinion is kind of nullified because, you know, some shit from uh, 14 years ago. And I'm like, look, bitch, I will read you under the fucking table. Don't play with me. But Mm -hmm. but people do that often. And I like I said, I try not to look with too many regrets and it's not something that you know that has me like sulking every day or something like that but there are times that I wish that I could kind of take it back because it's also you know not even just a hindrance in you know when we're having like just general discussion sometimes it can be a hindrance in dating and you know I meet guys and everything and it's almost like you know how like when you like when if let's say that you have like some kind of, you know, like a ST, like incurable STD or something and you have to disclose or you should disclose that to, you know, your partner. It's kind of similar to that because I have to disclose that to 
whoever I have the potential to date. Like I have to tell them because I have to give them the opportunity to make a decision as to whether or not they still want to fuck with the kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and in, in more cases than not though, because it was so long ago and because it was such a short period of time, like I, I don't really run into problems with it, but it does lessen my pool. Um, so yeah, that would probably be it for me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. One day I would love to, hear or maybe facilitate a conversation where we really just dive into why people love porn but they hate the actual people that do it i know and they hate them forever right (laughs) it's like once you do it that's all you ever are same thing with like strippers and stuff the only fans people you know people we have a a very interesting relationship with sex and sex workers but mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's not for today's conversation. But you know what? But I, y'all be looking real funny in the light. I will say that. Real funny. I know that there. What's crazy is I will see like when I used to be on Twitter and everything, I would see people, um, you know, going hard for like, you know, we need to respect sex workers and you know, yada yada yada. And these same people, the minute I say something that they didn't like, that's the first thing that they're throwing in my face. And I'm like, well, wait, niece, you can't have it both ways now because you can't sit here and advocate for like sex workers, but then tell a former sex worker, you know that her opinion is invalid because you don't agree with it. Like that's the only, like you're not even building up on the argument that we're having. You're talking about something that's completely irrelevant to our conversation. And so you need to make up your mind and pick which side of the fence you want to be on because you can't be an advocate or an ally for sex workers. But then the minute you have like a personal conversation with a former sex worker, all of a sudden, Oh, it's problematic, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yep. I agree. Um, for me, I have two and one is kind of conditional based on what the other one, I guess, I guess it Mm -hmm. depends on which one I would choose. But the first one is I would go to a different college or I would have gone to a different college. Um, so I went to Texas A&M university. Mm -hmm. I don't have no shame. I did not graduate because listen, mental health was Mm -hmm. a fucking nightmare at the time. But if I had the chance to redo it, I probably would have gone to UT Austin. And that's not to flex, but I had a, an older cousin that was going there. And I didn't have any close support when I was in College Station at Texas A&M. Uh-huh. And hindsight being 2020, it's like I should have gone to UT if I was going to go to a Texas school that wasn't that far from Houston. Because mm-hmm. my cousin, my fucking cousin was there. You know what I'm saying? So I could have had someone to lean on and depend on and help me and maybe even help me with that fucking engineering math that kicked my ass and them physics. But mm-hmm. um, so that was one. And then the other one, because I think about it and it's like my life would have gone in such a different trajectory if I had gone to a different college. And there are a lot of things that have happened that I don't know if I would necessarily want to erase. There are friendships that I have that I don't know if I would have still gotten if I Mm -hmm. had gone a different path that early in my life. So maybe instead of going to a different college, I would have just taken my mental health more serious when I was first diagnosed Mm -hmm. with clinical depression. And that was in college. And when I went Mm -hmm. home and I told my parents about it, they were like, oh, you lying. And you just saying this because you had bad grades this semester and yada, yada, yada. And I wish that instead of just letting them make that decision for me, mm-hmm. that I would have gone back and sought treatment on my own. 
Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy is I I went to UNC Chapel Hill, and like you, I didn't graduate. Um, but I ended up leaving because of mental health issues. And it's crazy that I talked to so many people who um, did not really discover that they had, um, you know, any type of, of mental health issues until they went to college or if they knew that they had them before that they just didn't peak until they got to college i think that's really interesting that 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 happens because i was i was literally sent home they were like oh yeah you got to go home for a little bit and get this figured out because and and the thing is is like even when i got diagnosed in college um the crazy thing about it is once i got the diagnosis and i started to read things um I I was like, wow. So now I understand like when I was 12 and 13 and, you know, while I was in a mood and shit didn't make sense, like why I was so moody and Mm -hmm. crying for no reason and shit. And so now it all makes sense. But it's it's crazy how all of that just kind of rears its ugly head. Like once you get to college for a lot of people, like you get you get to the peak of it, I guess you will. And it's just Mm. like, yeah, I think for a lot of us, mental health. Or, you know, having a a mental disorder, depression, or one of the other ones. I think it looks different when you're under your parents' thumb. Mm. And once you get out from under that and you have the freedom to not stay in bed all day because you don't have to worry about your mama coming in there, Mm -hmm. raising hell, and you have the freedom to eat literally whatever you want. Right. And you have the freedom to just not... And let the depression work. Right. I think that is a key difference. And that's where it hits that peak because there's nothing suppressing it. Because for a lot of us, especially, you know, speaking to black people, Mm -hmm. we were raised in households. Honestly, your depression, unless it was advanced, it didn't really have the chance to become what it becomes in college because your parents are not going to stand for that shit. Right, right. You know, even if it all the way up to like, if they have to beat you or kick you out the house, whatever it takes, they're not going to let you just lay around. They're not going to let you. The typical things that people associate with depression, because I'm speaking from experience. When I got to college, listen, I was not getting out of bed. I was eating what the fuck ever. Like Mm -hmm. there were so many elements of depression that just hit me full force when I did not have to always be on the defensive from my parent, you know, which is a whole different conversation of why I was always right. on the defensive. But I do agree. It's, it, I think it's that freedom though. I think not having anyone looming over you and forcing you or always in your ear, nagging you about stuff, making you do stuff when you don't have that depression is just like, it just grows. Right. It's like, okay. it's like hexes and fern gully. Listen, when that pollution came through and that nigga was like, I feel energized, bitch. That's <laughs> depression be coming through. But right. Yeah. So. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Like when you are at home, like you really don't have, you don't have the, the option to kind of sit in your room and sulk because your parents are really, you know, quick to come in your room and say, you need to get out. You need to go to go outside. You need yep. to go something why are you just sitting in the room or why are you why haven't you taken a bath today or why haven't you done like it's so many elements of depression that you have to kind of hide and like I had even gone home um I had went back to North Carolina for a little while and I just remember feeling like I didn't have time 
anymore to to just be depressed because I wasn't really allowed to like because right. it's like it was a constant barrage of you know why are you why are you still sleep you know why haven't you done this why don't you go do that what's wrong with this and that and it's crazy because you know I feel like you know as you said when you get out and you have that freedom, then you absolutely do have more room to say, you know, oh, well, I'm emotional. So I'm just going to emotionally eat. You know, yeah. you might not necessarily conscientiously say I'm going to be an emotional eater, but it's what happens for, for people who are emotional eaters and you don't get out of bed and you don't, you know, I, with my depression, I have days where I literally lay in bed and the only thing I get up and do is brush my teeth and I get right back into bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I never thought about that element, but that's a good perspective for sure yeah it's real that's why it's so important to when you see those signs and and i think it is changing and will change like this current generation of parents that are you know our age or younger are seeing these signs and they're being better because they're doing the work for themselves so they can start to recognize these things in their children because in a lot of instances depression hits you in childhood right but you don't know what it is until you become an adult or unless you have someone that's looking like okay you you are what you 11 years old you you should not be this sad and not wanting to do anything and not engage in things and not have interest you're only 11 that that doesn't make you know what i'm saying instead of just being like you lazy you this you that Mm -hmm. you need to get your ass out you know so Yeah, I definitely got hit with a lot of that growing up. Like I was always growing up, my parents were notorious for talking about how moody I was. Um, And then I would I would literally put myself in my room. Um, You know, I would just go in and shut the door sometimes just to make sure that I really wasn't bothered. Like I had a walk in closet and everything. And so I would go in the closet and just Mm -hmm. sit, you know. Um, I would, I might take like a flashlight so I could read a little bit, um, you know, but I really didn't want to be bothered and I didn't have an explanation for why my mood shifted so, so suddenly and so often, like, you know, I thought I was weird for a really long time. I'm like, bitch, you 11 years old, you ain't got no bills. What the fuck are you sad about? But it, but then, like I said, once I got my diagnosis, it all made sense. Like I became like a, I just became like a sponge. Like I wanted to learn everything that I could. And then oddly enough, I was a psychology major. So I was, you know, when I was even reading it in my, my 101 book, I was just like, ah, nah, ain't no fuck way I'm crazy like I know I'm not crazy bitch but (laughs) (laughs) but then you know once I learned and obviously you know we don't call each other crazy and everything but that that's what my feeling was when I first started reading about depression is bipolar disorder is you know and I was like nah I ain't crazy now I know I'm I'm wanting to talk to crazy people but I'm not crazy so so yeah depression is real yeah very very real insidious Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, um, I think that'll wrap up the queer query for this week. So let's get into the main topic so we can continue this amazing conversation. Yes. So for the main topic, uh, it's inspired by this article that I star on Gay Star News. And basically this guy wrote and the gist of it was, what if I never meet anyone? And Mm -hmm. so he goes through this whole thing and all these different things about 
trying to date and getting older and, and all of that stuff. And the main quote that I pulled out of it was that not everyone meets a life partner. So let's stop pretending they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the article kind of went in different directions. So I, I'm going to say I'm inspired by this, but we're going to do our own thing. So the first thing I want to talk about is what we were taught about dating and love when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Or in my instance, what I observed, because I wasn't really taught much. But I'm going <laughs> to defer to you for the question first. Um, What was I taught, like, about love? Um, Well, I'll, I'll, I have a couple things. Okay, so first, before I touch the, the touch on the love thing, and because I, I noticed that just in having conversations, like, with, you know, and several of my friends um I personally just on the 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 physical side the sexual side I was literally I I will never forget I'm a cancer my memory is long and strong I I I remember the exact conversation I remember what my dad had on I remember what I had on and I remember where the conversation took place he asked me did I know what sex is and I said yeah and then he said okay well what do you know about it and I said I mean it's like where you know a man and a woman you know like kiss and you know they kind of touch each other and then you know that you know just it kind of goes from there and then he goes okay and he was like well you know that you're not supposed to do that and it is it is for adults only right and then I was like I mean at the time I think I was like 10 and so I was like I have zero desire to kiss anybody but okay right okay thanks it was like he was like yeah because it's it's gross and you shouldn't do it and it's just it's just not something that you should want to do okay now you can go back to your room that was my sex talk And, and I remember um you know, just kind of walking away, feeling like really, really like, so is this the birds and the bees thing that niggas are supposed to learn about? Like, bitch, this is, you know, I basically schooled you just now, like, because he didn't tell me shit. He just told me that I couldn't have it. So I remember being annoyed by that. But as far as like love and stuff, um, I grew up like with both of my natural parents. Um, mm-hmm. And I always feel it's important to identify that, you know, because people kind of try to discount you a little bit. Well, you probably grew up without your dad. No, bitch. My dad was there. Um, He was there. But um, what I learned about love through them is that love can oftentimes be a convenience. It's not even necessarily a feeling all the time. Um as much as it is a a convenience just because it's, it's less convenient not to be together, if that makes sense. So um, I feel that my parents, they didn't talk to me about anything as far as love was concerned. I mean, my, my dad, you know, basically was just like, you know, don't take no shit from no nigga, you know, basically that's it, you know, but as far as, as, sitting down and talking to me about what love should be and how it's supposed to feel and you know just anything dealing with love they didn't really do that I just I watched by example and you know I grew up with with my mother um watching my mother be you know somewhat passive about a lot of things um and then watching my dad you know just kind of do everything else and so my examples of of love are really skewed because of that. Like, because 
you know, growing up and just kind of knowing how certain things made me felt like felt made me feel watching <laughs> them. I, it made me once I got older and I started to get in relationship re- relationships, it was like a a fight for power because on the one hand, you know, you're not finna boss me in this relationship. You're not finna control me. So I have a tendency to be somewhat controlling with people that I date. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I I like tradition because that's what I saw. Like I saw my dad paying for everything and my mom cleaning and my mom taking care of the kids. And, you know, so it's like it's it's like a, a duality thing. Like, like it's like on the one hand, I want to be that boss. But on the other hand, I'm very much so into tradition. And right. so I I've been you know, very confused about how like I'm not going to say I've been confused about how love was supposed to be. I grew I I grew into relationships being very confused now that I'm almost 40 you know I have a a a pretty good grasp of what love is or what love should be but so put a pin in that because we're gonna close the conversation out with how you feel currently about it okay so for me I would say I pretty much just was taught the typical that I think boys are taught mm-hmm. with the assumption that they are heterosexual, of course. Mm-hmm. So I got just the typical grow up, go to college, get a job, find a wife, have kids, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. And for me, I grew up with my mom and my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And then they had a son together. So my little brother's eight years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really forthcoming with anything about their relationship. So even though I had two parents growing up as you did, even though one Mm -hmm. was my stepfather, I mean, he was, he was around since I was pretty much a a baby. So, Mm -hmm. but they, everything was very much, you know, grown folks business and, and children's business. So I always joke with my friend Bree that, especially in in the household that I grew up in, everything was about respect. So here I am a fully functioning adult and I don't know shit because I wasn't taught anything. I I, I feel like I was not equipped with anything useful. Everything was just you in my house and you better fucking respect me Mm -hmm. and do what I say and take out the trash and do this and do that. So I didn't learn anything about love. I, my relationship with my parents growing up was strained and which is why now is, you know, two steps away from non-existent. It's always mm-hmm. been strained. So I never observed. I never really watched them. I never really looked and tried to peel back the layers of what's going on in their relationship because I was just trying to be away from them because we just we did not get along. And right. they, it was, you know, very much felt like a them against me as I was growing up. And I was always the loser. And so when I got to an age when I was like, you know what, enough is enough. And we really started bumping heads and fighting. And, you know, my stepfather and I have have had physical fights on more than one occasion. Mm. And I'm just looking back at, at the whole thing. And I'm like, I didn't really learn any life lessons. I didn't learn any love lessons. And even though I was in a household, I grew up with two parents who from the outside looking in were in a loving and healthy relationship. It seemed like they communicated when they had issues. I remember there were a few instances. I want to say my mom dealt with depression 
Mm. Now, at the time, I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand why when we got home from church, my mom went and closed herself in the room and my stepfather was walking around feeling, you know, inadequate and not knowing what to do. I didn't understand what was going on at the time. But looking back now that I, I, I see that, but I still didn't get anything from that interaction. I didn't. I didn't look at that and be like, huh, here's a husband trying to figure out how to support his wife who is battling depression currently. Maybe it's an acute type of thing. I don't think my mom has dealt with mental issues over a long period of time, but that was definitely a point where she was depressed because it was, you know, I know <laughs> what it looks like now, mm-hmm. but I can think of, of different things that I remember my parents going through, but it's like, what did I really learn? Because I didn't really know what was going on. And even as I got older, like I said, it was never like, okay, this is how you need to figure out what it is that you want in romantic situations. And this is how you treat your partner. These are, this is how you communicate. Like I didn't get any of those lessons. And I'm not saying that it's parents out there that are just like, okay, now's the time for our monthly discussion. We're going to show you about love. We got the flashcards ready and you Mm -hmm. are going to leave this house and you are going to be emotionally competent and romantically competent. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that happens, but what I am saying, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want people with children to be cognizant that Mm -hmm. a lot of these lessons are not just learned without Mm -hmm. any effort on your part like you have to actually introduce and have these conversations with your children so that they understand so that they understand rejection and they're not out here growing up as a man feeling entitled to women and shooting them in the face if they say no for their phone number these are the type of things that i just want people to be aware of not even if you just have children but even if you have children around you like i'm thinking about my goddaughter Jaden. I'm thinking about my godson, Jameson. I mean, he's only three, but I mean, he's, but he's a boy. And so Mm -hmm. there's a different conditioning that needs to take place there. I'm not saying that I need to step in and do anything. He has parents, he has family, but I feel a sense of obligation because I am his godfather. Mm -hmm. And just because I am an, I am a cisgender man who has proximity to a little boy. And I feel like that is my responsibility as an older person to make sure that the younger generation learns the lesson that I have struggled with mm-hmm. so that he don't have to, hopefully he doesn't have to struggle the way that I did. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, I didn't really learn much from my parents as far. The only thing I can say I really learned is do not buy your wife workout gear for Christmas, even if she asked for it, because that shit was a mess. What? Why you can't buy your wife workout gear? Because my mama wasn't here for it. I thought it was going to have like a meaning like, you know, don't ever buy your man shoes to go walk out on your ass or some shit. I thought it was going to be, oh, wow. Oh, wow. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Un- like, don't, don't even do it. Just let it go. Shit. I learned my lesson when I asked my stepdad, oh, what should we get mom for Christmas? Oh, get her some, get her some workout gear. Yay. She, she opened that box like, and that you know that side eye emoji that was literally my mom's face. <laughs> I was like, I ain't never listening to this nigga again. Now I know I can't tr- I can't depend on yeah, straight perfect. niggas for shit. He done led me on the path of destruction <laughs> with a goddamn Christmas gift. <laughs> Listen, she was not here for the shit at all. At Yikes! All. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So as you got older, what lessons and beliefs did you eventually find yourself needing to unlearn in regards to love, romantic relationships, dating and all of that? Um, I had to learn that I don't have to like, it's okay for me to have a backbone. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, and I, and I hate, you know, saying this about my mom, cause I don't necessarily mean it in a negative way per se. I, you know, I really think that their marriage and everything works for them. Like, you know, it, it's, it's some shit that works for them, but you know, I, I found myself like at least at least in two situations that I can recall very vividly. I found myself, you know, being very docile and very, um, you know, not really speaking my mind like I normally do, like what people are used to me doing, you know, right, just kind of yeah. let certain things happen and just, you know, kind of accepting it as, you know, well, maybe this is, you know, just God's way of teaching me like some kind of hard lesson, you know, that I need to learn before I become a wife or become before I become a mother. So, um, I really had to learn like the hard way, like the super hard way, um, the importance of, of still, you know, you can, I believe that you can, you can be, you know, somewhat submissive, like in, in a relationship without giving up your voice. Um, and I, I confused it for a long time. Like I really felt like in order for me to make this relationship work, I have to give up my voice because men just don't like, you know, vocal yeah. women. Yeah, you you know, got to cater to that ego at all times. Right. You have to cater to the ego at all times. And, um, you know, I, once I got out of the last situation that, that really kind of drug me through the mud, um, you know, where again, I just, I didn't speak. I, I didn't have a voice anymore. Like I wasn't myself. And I even started journaling around that time, you know, just kind of even making notes to myself, like saying things like, I don't recognize who I am anymore. Like, I don't recognize anything about me anymore because I've committed myself to being something that I'm not. And then I kind of put, um, you know, as like a, a note, I feel like the woman that I would look at my mom and see right now. And, and like I said, I hate to say that cause I love, I love my mom, but you know, I think that the, just kind of seeing her, you know, in, in some things and some situations, I think that that's what, um, it kind of made me into who I am. Like, you know, I'm very in your face, straightforward. Like, you're not finna talk to me like that. Like, bitch, I will drag you up and down peach. Like, I think that it's made me overly abrasive right. because um, I fight really, really hard not to be exactly like that. And then knowing what, knowing the headspace that it puts me in the the two times that I you know, just kind of relented and became that person. It just put me in such a bad headspace that um, I fight really, really hard not to be that person, sometimes too hard to the point of it um, essentially pushing people away, um, pushing like, you know, potential, potentially really good situations, you know, that I could be in. It, it can push them away because I'm just not, that guard is kind of up a little bit and, you know, and I'm not really willing to, to compromise on that in most cases, even when I recognize that I should, um, it's just, it's been really hard to do that. And, um, I think that what I saw between them, um, plays like a really big role in that. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Um, for me, I would say the main thing is obviously me being a gay man or a gay boy that grew into a gay man is just heteronormativity for the most part. Like, 
growing up and only seeing a man and a woman interaction, looking at TV, mostly only seeing that. And then when you do see some gay people, they don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't do the things that you do. They don't have the access that you have or vice versa. Mm -hmm. All you know is, okay, well, here's a relationship and it shouldn't be that difficult to apply what a man and a woman do to two men. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. Listen, nothing (laughs) could be farther from the truth. (laughs) I see so many gay, and I've been a victim to it myself, but there are so many instances where we try to apply those things that we think are staples in a relationship and they just don't work when it's not that specific relationship. I'm not saying that there aren't generic lessons that we can all learn no matter who is in the relationship. But a lot of the things when it comes to household management, finances, and the like, a lot of that just does not work for men. And if it does, Mm -hmm. you have a long and uphill battle trying to find someone whose beliefs are aligned with yours, especially in the 20 of 19, because ain't nobody trying to pay for everything. Ain't nobody trying to go half if a nigga is on some bullshit. Like there are a lot of elements to relationships now that people are just not putting up with. And for the gay community, specifically for myself, just trying to take lessons from relationships that you've seen that have been successful and not the actual specifics of the relationship. Right. Right. Uh, where a lot of people get caught up myself included in the past. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other thing is just communication. Mm-hmm. Like I assume my mom and my stepdad had good communication growing up, but I don't know. Cause I didn't see it for, right. you know, the reasons that I've already talked about, but as I got older and I was dating for myself, I really learned that communication is key. Right. And e- I mean, this is as early as what am going into my thirties that I learned this lesson that I have to be very mindful of how I communicate with my partner and I can't communicate with my partner the same way that I would communicate with someone else, especially when I'm angry or when things need to get done, if I'm irritated, all of the above, I have to move differently. Mm-hmm. But that, again, that was something that I had to unlearn on my own. And it was just something right. that I picked up because I got to a point where I was like, I am on my own in this world. Mm-hmm. Like when things with my parents escalated and, I, you know, they kicked me out of the house and I've been on my own ever since. Now, granted, I was 22, but still. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Just where my life was at the time, you know, I probably did not need to not be living at home. You know, still, there were just a lot of things going on, but it was just one of those situations where we, like, this family does not work. Mm -hmm. And it unfortunately hasn't worked since, but, you know, I don't take all the responsibility for that. It is what it is. But I got to the point where I was like, I have to have my defenses up at all times. Mm-hmm. And that led to me treating everyone the same, mm-hmm. even if they had different levels of access to me, they got the same treatment. And it took being in a relationship and looking back and doing that work and, and saying, OK, I'm not completely innocent in this situation. Uh, I don't have as much blame as a lot of people would expect or would like for me to accept but I'm not completely innocent. Now I need to analyze what did I do? Okay. My communication skills, 
were poor in this situation because I should have handled this situation like this, or I should have not done this. I should not have said this. I should have found a better way to say that. Uh huh. But these are all things that, again, I had to learn on my own or unlearn, I should say. Right. Right. And it's crazy because, you know, the things that we see like growing up and the things or the relationships that we first encounter, like, you know, as we're, as we're developing, you know, um, those absolutely do shape a lot of, of our perception. Like once we become adults and, and, you know, we're out here in the dating world and even at times when we feel like, you know, we're not affected by whatever it was that we saw or whatever it was that we heard, like even when we don't think so, a lot of times it can kind of show up like in unexpected ways. Like it's, it's just different things that can kind of just come out. Like, you know, as you're dating, as you're getting to know somebody, like maybe, you know, if you guys get married, like whatever. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people like, um, especially, you know, people that are within the same age range as me, like if they're, you know, if they didn't grow up witnessing a fully healthy relationship, you know, where and by fully healthy, I mean, with the communication, like yeah. you know, physical stuff, like I'm even uncomfortable with being physical, um, you know, with people, not physical, because, you know, I fuck. So let's be real. Like, I that kind of Call a ting a ting. Let's be clear now. I'll fuck. But, you know, when it comes to uh, like physical touch, like I've taken the, the five love languages test and I rank very low on that. And it's because I didn't see I didn't see my parents do that. Like every now and then I might see them, you know, do like a little peck. And I know something had to happen at some point because they got three kids. So but, you know, as far as like seeing anything between them. It's definitely as an adult, it, it, it kind of made me, you know, leery of having like physical, you know, having affection with with people that I'm in a relationship with. And I do it, uh, you know, if that's what they're into, like if that's what they like, because, you know, see, I seem to choose people who crave physical touch. Mm-hmm. I do it if that's what they like, but it's not without it doesn't it triggers my anxiety like it really does. Like I literally get sweaty like oh my God, why are you laying on me? Oh my God, why do you want to hold my hand? Like, it's just very awkward for me. Yeah. And um, and I didn't really realize, you know, why it was so awkward for me until I, I really took a moment, like I'm in therapy and everything, and I really took a moment to kind of look back. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Now it makes sense. Like all of this makes complete and perfect sense, you know, as to why I would be like apprehensive about, you know, physical touch with my partner. You know what? It's funny that you say that because I learned this lesson and I didn't even realize that this was something that I had an issue with until you just said it. Now, I did recognize that I had the issue later, but not where a potential source of it. And that is in that I didn't really see my parents have a lot of physical contact mm-hmm. growing up. Like it was the most that you would see is a peck on the lips, depending on what was going on. And and I literally that was the only thing that I took into that relationship. The last relationship that I had is like, OK, well, when I leave, peck on the lips, when I come home, peck on the lips. And that was it. That was the extent of it. And I had a situation where I was out and about with someone and he was very physical trying to hold my hand in public. And I was like, I don't know about this. You know what I mean? And I really didn't even think, I didn't think much of it, but just being self-aware and looking back on, on situations, I was like, huh? And I was like, 
didn't even think about how that would make him feel at the time because I was so in my head about, uh, you know, I'm not big on PDA in the first place. And here we are two, you know, moderately belly niggas <laughs> in the middle of, of Discovery <laughs> Green in Houston, you know, at this festival. And I'm just like, I don't know. But looking back on it, I'm like, eh, you know, that was my own thing. That wasn't on him. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting what we take with us into different situations that we didn't even realize we were taking with us. Right. Um, but speaking of, so to just touch a little bit on what the article was saying, that phrase that I mentioned earlier. So not everyone meets a life partner. So let's stop pretending that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, how do you feel about that phrase? And then the second question would be, have you ever felt that way? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be 39 in June, 40 next year. Um, Come on, June, and... baby. Whoop. <laughs> so, I too. <laughs> I, I, um, you know what? I honestly, I honestly have gotten to the point in my life where I've said to myself, if I don't get in a relationship or, you know, anything that leads to marriage, I am okay with that at this point because I have become pretty hopeless um, as far as like love. Like, and maybe it's because I live in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's just not, you know, for any of you listeners out there, if you are a single lady and you're looking to move to Atlanta, keep your ass where the fuck you are because <laughs> I ain't shit here for you. Nothing's here for you. Like it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, how educated you are, what you have going on. There is nothing in Atlanta for you. Okay. So I've gotten to the point where I am, I I'm, I'm slowly, but surely becoming comfortable with the fact that it's a strong possibility that I may never get married so much so that I'm looking into um, insemination. Like I've been going through like quietly, you know, going through certain processes and everything to prepare myself for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to the idea of being a single mom by choice. Um, And I'm doing that because, you know, in, in my mind, like when, you know, when I was planning how my life was going to be, you know, I was constantly on some, Oh, I'm going to get married. And then we're going to have two kids, maybe three, and then it's going to work out like this and that but then you know 35 creeped up 36 (laughs) creeped up and it was like oh shit like you know and with women it's a little different you know when it comes to um, our bodies and everything because it's like you have a limited window in which you can have kids without you know um, experiencing some major complications if if you can get pregnant in the first place and um, you know so I just said that I kind of started you know how like when you're dating and like you when you first start out dating and everything and you may, you know maybe you're like 22 23 and you're like okay they got to be single they can't have any kids i want them to to make this much per year i want them to have this and da 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 as you get older though and you begin to realize that certain things within your requirements just aren't a thing like for me it's a rarity that I meet a man who has, who does not have kids. So initially though, back in the day, my thing was you cannot have any kids. It's an automatic. No, if you have kids, I can't fuck with you. And so it's kind of worked the same way with me. And, and, you know, when it came time to 
have my own, you know, children. Like I really wanted to do it with a partner. Like I really wanted to have somebody in my life and I wanted us to be able to go through this parenting thing together. But the older I get and the more that I date, like I get on dating apps and things like that, the more I realize that, you know, either I'm in the wrong place, which I'm considering moving actually to Texas, but we'll talk about that later. Yes. Um, but oh. yeah. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, um, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I um I honestly I I, I I'm at the point now where if I don't have a life partner forever, then I'm I'm okay with that. And I honestly don't believe that everybody is gonna get married. Like some some niggas just gotta settle for the fact that bitch, you it, it might not happen for you, and it's okay. Like it is absolutely okay. It stings, you know. It, it definitely karate chops you in the throat a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I just feel like, you know, love and marriage ain't necessarily everybody's ministry. It's not meant to be. Um, but I'm not going to deny myself the opportunity to have a baby because of my beliefs about love, because I have, you know, a whole lot of love to give to a little boy or a little girl or, you know, whatever, you know, comes out. <laughs> so, but I don't want to deny myself that particular joy just because I, I don't know that I will ever experience the joy of being in a, a a happy and healthy marriage that could produce kids. Okay. Makes sense. Um, initially I would have to say my cynical side agrees with the statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so full disclosure over the years, since I've been dealing with niggas, I've often felt like love just ain't for everybody. And I may be in that number. And the more experience that I've had and the more I started to be good on my own and be truly self-sufficient and really look at these niggas and just get to the point where it's like, you know, my standards are where they are and it's time to stop letting the little shit slide just because, oh, I don't know. He responds to texts in a timely fashion or you know something, mm. something minor. Mm-hmm. But their actual intentions, they're not actually trying to do anything. They don't actually have any any goals when it comes to the two of us Mm -hmm. and now i'm almost like you really have to be that nigga and for non-black people when i say that nigga i mean like they have to check all the boxes basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in order to make me want to have more than just a text conversation and maybe an occasional nut and that's not to say that i'm just like the best partner that you will ever have or that you will ever meet but i will say that i am self-aware i've gotten to the point where i've worked on my communication like a lot of the things that i feel like would make a person be a good candidate to be in a relationship with i'm Mm -hmm. working on and i'm cognizant of that i'm not just trying to be like well you just gonna have to accept me how the fuck i am i'm gonna say what i want i'm gonna do what the fuck i want and you just need to fall in line like that's not how that works especially Mm -hmm. not for me but it does get to the point where it's like okay well you've been single for so long they're just like i mean okay let me look into what i need to do when i get older since you know i may not have a partner around to help me who gonna help me like you know that's where my mind is now it's not on some And I've never really been the type that's just like infatuated with love. Like I know some people are. I've never even really just been like, oh, yes, I'm going to be in love. 
I'm going to get married to the man of my dreams. Mm-hmm. And he's going to try to convince me to have kids. And I'm going to be like, Amy Winehouse. No, no, no. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I've never really seen that for myself. So now looking at this and asking myself the questions, I'm just like, it's not that I'm trying to be negative when it comes to it, but it's just, I just look at it in a realistic manner when it comes to me. Now I could be, I mean, I'm only 34. I'm about to be 35 in June mm-hmm. and it could be the day I turn 35. Somebody's son is like, listen, <laughs> we ain't getting no younger. I we do. might as well do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what life has in store for me. But what I can say is I've been alone for a long time and mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And what, what is meant to be will be what's whoever is meant for me, then that'll be what it is. And if it's not right. meant for me to have them in this lifetime, it just is what it is. But right. I'm not interested in settling for just, just any old thing. However, we're going to put a pin in that because I do have a question. <laughs> but first, before we get to that, in your opinion, does there need to be more conversations surrounding people growing old alone or not finding love? Um, I don't know that it needs to be like a a conversation per se. Like, I just think it's a personal realization and it just kind of depends on what it is that you're willing to accept for yourself. Like, I don't think that it, it has to become like, I don't know, some type of societal norm, but I think that there are some people who like, for example, Drea, Drea always says that, you know, I'm a, I'm a love advocate. I believe in love. I believe that love is going to, you know, love can happen and yada, yada, yada. Whereas me, I'm just like, eh, you know, uh, it might happen. It might not like, like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a pessimist when it comes to it a little bit. And I even, I was even celibate for five years holding off, you know, on, on love. Like I literally deprived myself of so much dick. So much good ass, juicy, thick ass dick. (laughs) I was turning niggas down left and right. Like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Five years I withheld. And then I met this guy met him on a dating app and we were having like amazing conversation. We ended up randomly, Hey, I'm at such and such and such. Let's meet up and just, you know, make sure that the face to face is just as good as, you know, whatever. So we did that. Everything was good. And then the next time we hung out with each other, we ended up having sex. And I only broke the celibacy thing because in my mind, you know, I was dealing with a nigga that, was was in my mind he was a good guy like oh i can see myself being in a relationship with him this is where it's leading and that's pretty much where he he you know he laid the the foundation to like he was just like listen this is what it is i'm really interested in blah 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 but it ended up being fucked up and mm-hmm. so at first i was gonna sulk like in that i know this is veering far from the top but i was gonna sulk <laughs> in that shit like bitch you were five years in the fucking game and your dumb ass went out there and gave some. And I was like, you know what? No, don't even do that, bitch. Consider it a, a great job, a good pat on the back that you did it for five years. Now you need to activate your whole shit just for a little while. And <laughs> so yep. I've just been having fun, but I've been having fun under the the 
I'm not looking for a relationship umbrella. And I've been fine with that. I don't feel like it needs to be like a conversation that that needs to be had or like, you know, if it's something, again, that we should accept, you know, as being what it is. I just think that it just depends on what it is that you're willing to work towards, what it is you're willing to settle for. Um, Because at some point or another, like, you know, even people who have like these really strict bullet points on what it is that they want in a relationship, like you will find yourself saying, okay, I need to to break this off or tear this off because this might not be a thing. Maybe I'm being too strict because of that. Because, you know, going back to the thing with men and no kids, I found that I was eliminating a lot of really good, you know, potential dudes just because they had children. And, you know, I just think that it just, again, it just depends on what you're willing to settle for, what you're willing to wait on or what you're not willing to wait on. As for me, like, you know, I... Like I said, I've gotten very comfortable with the with the possibility of me never being in a a long term relate like not even uh, not even never being in a long term relationship. I've gotten very comfortable with not being married. I've kind of let that go. But Mm -hmm. I, I will have my babies, though. But I've definitely gotten really I've become okay with not having love. Um, It sucks. But, you know, that's just uh, I also, again, I live in Atlanta, so I I just there is no hope for, you know, women um, out here. It's just not. It's not. (laughs) Um, I agree to a degree. I don't think it needs to be necessarily a separate conversation, Mm -hmm. but I do think that when we impart whatever wisps of wisdom that we might have Mm -hmm. to younger people or even our peers Mm -hmm. that it's okay to inject that bit of realism into true that uh, you know just a generic conversation about relationships about love like i don't think that it needs to have this necessarily negative stigma of you know if i don't meet anybody that's okay like that's literally all that it needs to be it doesn't need to be this whole you ain't gonna never find nobody and look you just need to learn to accept it get you a hitachi get you whatever you need (laughs) and learn how to work it out yourself and just live a fulfilling life get you a dog like it doesn't need to be all of that but i Mm -hmm. don't think that there's anything wrong and it may even be to an extent a responsibility that we have to just be like you know it's okay if you're okay with the idea of not meeting anyone. That doesn't mean that you accept it. It doesn't mean that you're now going to shift everything in your life to be like, well, I'm going to be forever alone. So let me just figure out how to do life on my own. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do all that. Now, obviously that's in contradiction to what we are saying for ourselves, because you're looking into having your babies on your own. I'm damn sure looking into like, okay, so when I'm 50, what is I'm trying to do? If I'm single, like what kind of 50-year-old am I going to be? Am I going to be a 50-year-old thought? Am I going to be a scholar? Like, you know, I have options because, I, you know, I'm not anticipating meeting the love of my life at any point. Like, I feel like I've gotten to the point where it's like, I'm okay with being alone. And if love decides that's not the path for you, then I'm just going to be pleasantly surprised. Right, right. But I don't think there's anything wrong with just being like, hey, you may not meet anybody. And if you're okay with that, that's okay. Right, right. It's not the end of the world. Everything doesn't need to be a love conquers all and you just can't live a life without love. And it's like, okay, I mean, 
not everyone looks at romantic love the same. Not everyone feels like it's an important staple of life. Deep attachments to people, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Romantic love, I mean, I can take it or give it. You know, I mean, it just depends on, you know, is, what, what, what are the men giving? And that's really <laughs> a big issue. Right, right. Um, Down here in Atlanta, they ain't giving shit. <laughs> or over here in Atlanta, they not giving shit at all. Well, so far, I've been in the Pacific Northwest. They ain't giving nothing either. Okay, but see, okay, but what, but see, I have to talk, when I talk to my, my homegirls that live in Texas, though, like, even, I even have a friend that just moved to Texas from Atlanta, and she was like, bitch, the dating out here is way different. Like I'm talking way different and, and maybe it's different because, you know, like as a, I'm, I, you know, I say this only in conversation, even though I'm not, but as a a quote unquote straight woman, maybe it's a little bit, a a little bit different because my home girl been going on date after date after date. And I don't know if they, they out there just, you know, taking people on dates just so they can get some pussy, but shit, you know, and I'm not, I don't even know if I want to live in Houston. I've, I've been looking at that too so i don't know but i i just feel like i want to change a pace but right now my my fuck buddy is here though like he mm. here though and it would hurt my heart to let that go <laughs> i mean that's real though listen because <laughs> you can't always find somebody who can do everything you know what i'm saying and so uh, who could do I it just, or if you do then they annoying or they you know they don't know they don't follow the rules and all that kind of shit yeah he's um, literally perfect for real so i could see that for <laughs> quote unquote straight women because <laughs> I'm like girl <laughs> I know, you know I'm like I like the women too so that's why, that's why I, I was like, like you were like uh, quote unquote straight I was like straight where <laughs> <laughs> who said that Listen, who said that who said that <laughs> but I will say as for me in particular when I was in Texas the in Houston the dating was not about shit for me and I don't, you know, I've talked about this before, how my experiences have, are just unique to me and not unique period, mm-hmm. but I talked about this during the, the dating while fat series that a lot of times when I start to talk about this, people that are close to me or that I'm having this conversation with start discounting what I'm saying, because in their mind, they're like, okay, well, you're an attractive guy you're intelligent or whatever compliments that they have. So it does not compute that I don't have all these positive dating experiences. And it's just like, you don't need to try to rationalize why my experiences have been what they are. You mm-hmm. asked what kind of things I've experienced. And I told you, you know, we, that's where it stops. And, mm-hmm. and I said this on, on an episode where I was like, I don't, you know, I, I want people to get out of this thing where it's like, if it's a heavier set person or whatever, thing that you assume is the reason why they're having bad dating experiences like that's not always the case mm-hmm. and don't make a bunch of assumptions about what it is that they're doing oh well if you oh you must not be going outside you must be trying to meet everybody on like look nobody mm-hmm. asks for if i wanted actual therapy for relationships or if i wanted to meet somebody i, I listen i can find a matchmaker like i don't need you to try to analyze what i'm doing when you don't know my life like that Right, right. So let's switch gears a little bit as we close out the conversation. Um, this is kind of a, a silly question, but I feel like it's it's it fits a little bit. So do you think more people need to have like relationship packs with friends? And when I say more people, I mean people who 
may not necessarily feel the way that we do. Like if you're one of those people that are like a relationship or bust, but you also having a, a difficult time. Like if they have someone in their circle that they're seemingly compatible with, is that something that people should explore? Like, okay, I mean, we friends, but listen, in 10 years, if we still single, <laughs> listen, nigga. Because <laughs> one way or another, I'm getting these tax breaks. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't I don't see a problem with that. I, I'm laughing because I can't think of not one of my male friends that I would be I would be okay with doing that with. Um, that, is, that is absolutely fair. Yeah, I I can't see any of like I have I actually have two uh two male best friends that I you know I love to death you know both great looking guys both very gentleman like both you know uh but no I I don't want any <laughs> of them niggas I stay single before before I take either yeah. one of them I'm good um. That's fair I, I too. Don't think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that though, because I mean, it's just like you know, a lot of us do have like amazing people that are in our circle who are probably having difficulties dating and everything, and so I don't really see, I don't see what you know what a problem, what would be the problem with that, like unless I, I, I don't know. I think that that it has to, it would have to be. Um, carefully evaluated though because absolutely one thing for me is like if i were to do that like if i had a, a friend that i was interested in that i could see myself possibly being interested in but just let's wait it out and just kind of see what you know what else is out there type thing my thing would be i don't want to ruin the friendship you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying like i you know even with my current uh with my current fuck buddy we've been friends like we've we've known each other for like nine years but we've been friends for like six or seven and but we we literally had never ever ever had any sex anything like that at all it's just something that i i when i once the situation happened with the nigga that i met on the dating app um i was just like i want to fuck and i want to fuck somebody that i can trust and whatever yep. mm -hmm. and so i had already seen his dick like he he got on facetime with <laughs> that because i was just curious to see what it looked like and he pulled it out and he showed it to me and so i just kept that little nugget in the back of my fucking head <laughs> <laughs> and so when i decided okay i want to fuck but i need this to be like a friendly situation one thing that he even said like wow you know he was like i value our friendship so much that if it gets to the point where you feel like something is going to ruin that i feel like we should stop and i was like i mean that's sweet and all but nigga you didn't have this throat <laughs> we not stopping shit the fuck <laughs> <is you?"> <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I can see why people do that because why not? It's like with somebody that you know well, that you trust or whatever. Mm -hmm. But also I think that if somebody approached me and said that, I'd be like, so, I mean, I ain't good enough now. Like, you know, yeah, that was what I was thinking. That's the only, that's the only tricky part. Like you have to evaluate who you're saying this to, because you might come across somebody that's like, I could see it. Like, right. you know, you know, stay in the gym for the next 10 years, keep it tight, keep it right. And I'm going to do the right. same. And if we both single when we hit 40, whatever. Okay. Right. But then I could, you know, you all, you just have to know that friend. Cause if the friends, the type, like, so what? I ain't good enough now. Right. What you, what you waiting on? Like, what do I need to do? My nigga, like, tell me what's up. 
What's up with the what's up? Because the way I see it, my jiggly parts are here and they work. You like me, we friends. So what's the hold up? Why we need to wait? Right. So it's definitely a thing where you have to be mindful of the type of friend. And you can't just pull this on any old friend. Like, look, (laughs) we can be honest. We all have friends that we deem attractive. And if the situation went a certain way, probably would exchange sex faces with we all have friends like that <laughs> you said sex faces <laughs> come on you know, you know i love a little throwback to my roots uh-huh. <laughs> yes yes but at the same time you can't just any old friend that it's like okay well listen i've been real curious about what them genitals do so uh-huh. i would like to you know and your friend is like bitch what the fuck and mm-hmm. you have to, you can't just take these things to any old friend. Like I had a, a episode that I did with Kevin Dwayne of the now, uh, the now defunct outline podcast. I'm still sad about that, Kev. But we talked about this, about, you know, sex with friends. And it's like, just be mindful of the friend that you're approaching with this stuff. You can't just be to any old friend. Like, I mean, but what that mouth do? Like, I'm trying to coat that throat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like obviously only you only want to do that type of stuff with friends that you think are going to be receptive and still you have to be mindful of the effects that it may have on the actual friendship so shout out to your fuck buddy for being you know seems emotionally intelligent to a, a degree i don't know him so i can't say 100 percent, but i he, mean you know, he, he, he taking care of you in multiple ways so you know what i'm a fan listen, <laughs> when i tell you that nigga, listen and it's it's just listen i have like this thing and i mean shit you you've heard me talk about this before i have this thing with like skinny niggas and yes, they never Lord. disappoint and he he's just not a disappointment he's a he's a he's a cool guy like i'm 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 happy to have him in my life out you know even outside of the fucking because he's just he is at least in this regard, he's very level headed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I just appreciate, you know, him for, you know, just being the nigga that he is, you know? And then on top of that, delivering that good D. Amen. Amen. Let me let me tell you something. It is nothing like getting into a sexual situation with somebody that is like super level headed and uh-huh. it's just about action. Woo! Uh-huh. Holly and, and to the Lou. I was so nervous, like, because, like I said, we we were friends. We literally would hang out at each other's places. And, you know, nothing happened. Nothing. Like, I think that the first time that we hung out, he did ask me, could he could he kiss me? And I said, no, because I had just gotten out of a relationship. Um, and I just was like, eh, what the fuck? You know, even though I was digging him at the time. I was just like, I don't think that'll be a good idea because that's just going to lead to us, you know, fucking up my bed sheets and I'm just, I'm good. But, um, he, you know, he's, he's, I, I lucked up on this one. And that's why it's so hard for me to say I want to leave because I know I shouldn't be dictating what I do to fucking my life over a fuck buddy, but, uh, shit. I don't know. And so, you know what? There's nothing wrong with postponing plans for a few months. Get your, get your reserves up. Uh-huh. And once you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I might be able to be okay for a few months without some dick while I look for something new in my new location. But get your reserves up first. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. I, I support that. Make sure you have a, a, a 
penis store. Make sure they're the levels are where they need. You know how we always say our chicken levels be low. If the dick <laughs> levels are low, it's okay. We're having them replenished. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we all grown out here. I really got to come out to, I'm going to come out to Texas and I'm going to stay in, in Houston probably like a week or two. And then I'm going to go to Dallas and I'm going to do the same thing just to kind of, you know, um, just to see like, you know, what's going on. Like just to see, you know, like I'm going to turn on the date app and just see what, you know, what, what kind of swipes and shit I get and everything. Um, but Atlanta, man, I just, uh, I'm always like, nah, on all these men out here. I'm just like, no, thanks. I don't trust you. No, thanks. I'm good. No, thanks. So we'll, we'll see. Cause who knows? I might come to Houston or Dallas, wherever the fuck I decide to go. And I, I might look up on another, uh, another uh, big dick ass gentleman willing to tear me, tear it out the frame on me. So you might. I mean, I don't know what the Houston straight nigga or straight man dick is like in Houston, but you might. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I like. I like how you keep saying it like I'm there. <laughs> like I will come to Houston. I'm like. Mm. Wait a minute! You're not in. I thought you were in Houston. Oh, sis. Girl, I moved to Seattle like three months ago. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. <laughs> That's I why I said in the in the. I don't know if I. I think I said the Pacific Northwest earlier in the conversation. Yeah, you did, but I just kind of glazed over it. Like I didn't know you said. I, I know. Like, I, I picked up on that. I was like, did she? <laughs> did she not know that I moved? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, I did not know that shit. What the heck? Okay. Listen, Seattle just... is very white, though. Well, that's it's tr- it's tr- that's true. There's some black areas though, like Seattle, Seattle, because it's expensive. So you have to go away from the city to find the pockets of where you know, like the black and brown people live. So let's wrap the conversation up. Going back to something that you were touching on as you completed your answer on the first question. And that is, I want you to describe your thoughts and your wishes on finding love as a black woman approaching 40. We've pretty much hit a lot of the points, but now's a good opportunity to just kind of wrap it up in a nice little bow. Thoughts and love on finding love as a black woman approaching 40. (sighs) It's okay. I, I tell myself that it's okay to remain optimistic just don't allow that optimism to be clouded by uh by fairy tale you know because unfortunately that's just not what i'm going to i don't feel like that's what i'm going to get and i know that kind of that borders pessimism there but i don't i just don't i just feel that it's 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 still okay to be to be you know open you know, and optimistic, but just realistic at the same time. And then, you know, just also reminding myself that at this age, you know, there are going to be people out out there that I'm going to come across who have experiences that, you know, may not necessarily mirror mine. And it's okay, you know, just as I would want them to accept certain things about me, it's okay, you know, just kind of depending on what it is, (laughs) it's okay to accept, you know, certain things within people because, 
you know, in my twenties, it was, it was far more realistic to kind of hope for perfection and, in my partner, like whatever it was that I was looking for, like, it was so, so easy to say that you wanted like this perfect guy, you know, to come along and just kind of, you know, sweep you off your feet. But, um, I honestly, I, I just, I'm remaining realistic, but at the same time, I'm still kind of forging ahead with my own personal goals. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and if, if somebody comes along and if they, you know, they're able to enhance what it is that I have going on, or if they're able to, you know, add to the plans that I already have for myself, then that's cool. But, you know, I'm not going to stop making moves in my own life uh, in hopes of that still optimistic but still i'm still not stopping you know this train and everything you know yeah. for that so yeah for me as a black gay on the cusp again of 35 um i'm really at the point where i'm i'm looking to be complimented mm, mm. and that's complimented okay. with with an e and what uh-huh. i mean by that is if i'm going to have someone and allow someone to be close to me they need to be complimenting me i don't want to have to do a bunch of work i don't want to have to sit here while you learn a bunch of lessons like i want to be not that i'm religious but i want to be equally yoked if i'm going to go in that direction otherwise i'm fine being alone and like you said i'm fine with building my life on my own and the mm-hmm. reason why I say I want to be complimented is because I'm doing that. If I'm building my life on my own, I'm propping myself up. If someone else comes along, mm-hmm. then I want to compliment each other. And that may sound fucked up to a degree. I'm not, I don't have a long list of, well, you know, he needs to make this much money. He needs to do this. And he needs to, you know, know how to change the, the oil in 30 degree weather and stuff like that. Like, I don't have a long list of that, but I just want to be complimented. If I'm at a certain level operating, doing things, and I've been comfortable at that point for a long time, I don't want to disrupt my life because someone came along and, you know, I just so happened to like laying down in the bed with them. Like, I want it to be a situation where it's, we're enhancing each other because you have things that I don't have. I might have things you don't have. And I don't mean monetary or physical things. I'm just saying personality traits or interests. And when we come together, we are better together than we are apart. We're great apart. Mm -hmm. But when we come together, we are magnifico. You know what I'm saying? That's right. where I am right now. It may change. I might be like, you know what? Maybe I, my standards are too high. Let me adjust accordingly. But right now, I'm like, let's compliment each other. And I, I, I put that on myself. Like, if I'm going to even pursue... So, um, I don't really look at... Pers- I don't want to pursue nobody because... Mm. But who knows? <laughs> that might change. <laughs> but let's... Hypothetically speaking, or, you know, if we're just entertaining each other... Mm-hmm. Then I want to be on the same wave. Like I want to be a compliment to your life. Like whatever it is, it could be something small. You're you're not used to someone communicating with you regularly. Okay, I'ma do that. You know what I'm saying? Like just it could be little things, but as long as we're complimenting each other and it's like, okay, when I wake up, I look back on the week and you know what? This week was better than a week than if I did not have this person around. Mm-hmm. And if this person wasn't around, let me tell you something, my week would still be amazing. But this motherfucker here, listen, (laughs) we do some things and that's where I am with it. Mm. And who knows? Um, It could be I could be forever alone or he could be right around the river being who the fuck knows. I don't know. Right. You never know. Like, I feel like, you know, um, 
my mom has been, you know, on a steady push. Like she's been trying to actually get me back to North Carolina. Um, you know, and I, I just feel like sometimes you have to step outside of what you're used to, you know, like in or what you typically look for and, you know, and, and just give those things a try. Like, you know, because I think that a lot of times, too, you know, even even in your mid to late 30s, I think that sometimes, you know, we kind of just, you know, float on this is my type and this is, you know, this is what I'm going after now. I'm I'm never going to accept a man with a small dick regardless of it like I don't care about any of that but um you know I, I I definitely have been trying to be like a little bit more receptive to you know people who have like maybe different views on certain things or people who may not necessarily be like uh I, I don't know just just, just trying to, to look up in other directions, not necessarily where race is concerned, but just like, you know, just in general, you know, exploring yeah. other things and, and whatever. And so, um, I don't know. We just have to kind of open ourselves up and just, you know, sometimes see what's out there or, or be cool with just being by yourself until, yeah. until we have to get, yeah. be, become okay with that. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to punctuate the conversation in that, Growing older, I know this is pretty much a common trope, but there's nothing wrong with having your non-negotiables as you get older. Now, I think typically the list gets shorter and shorter as we get older because we learn more and we realize that people going people regardless. Mm-hmm. But listen, I I really can't fault you for being like, now listen, I'm willing to work with a nigga on a lot, but dick size is not one of them. I really can't. I can't hold you on that. I really can't because... You know, sex is important in relationships. We know that to be true. So if you have requirements, it just kind of is what it is. Now, if it was, you know. I don't have the time. Like, I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I'm just like. Look. Listen, Gia's like, Gia, like, I don't have the pussy to waste on little dude. I don't. I don't and that's just, know. It is what it is, you know. I mean, you know, if you yeah. have, if you're of the smaller persuasion. Mm-hmm. Gia just not for you that don't mean you don't deserve love you just don't get it from her I mean, you, know. you just you don't you don't get acknowledgement you don't uh, get anything uh, <laughs> sorry uh, bye I was, I was trying to be nice <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm never nice <laughs> I feel like the Dre in this conversation I'm like well I was trying to be nice and here you go nah fuck that I ain't got no. time bye no. oh my god well that wraps up a an extended uh episode you know it's a little longer than the usual ones but that's what happens when the conversation flows and gia and i have been internet friends for a long time so it just flowed that's how the conversation goes when you you know you you fuck with good people so gia Uh first Thank you very, very, very much for agreeing to be on the show. I had a blast. The conversation was very dope. And all that, all that. Uh I know you and social media don't really mix necessarily. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have somewhere where you want people to find you, then let them know. If not, then just tell them where to find friend in my head. Well, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Like, I mean, I am, but I don't have a, a public name anymore. Like, I, I just I just don't log in. So, no Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't add people to my Facebook. So, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with Instagram, though, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit more open because a friend in my head, because people are starting to find that podcast and they're like, oh, shit, let me follow this girl. So, the friend in my head podcast uh, Instagram is F. 
I-M-H. So, you know, the initials for friend in my head, pod. Um, so that's the Instagram for that. And then my personal one is the number two, the word and, A-N-D, and then fro, F-R-O. So to and fro is my personal Instagram. Don't be afraid. It's no pictures or anything on there. I don't show my face or anything. Um, but I'm there. That's where I I (laughs) stories and shit. I know people follow me and they're like, bitch, where's your face? Like not on here. (laughs) <laughs> none of that for you thank you none 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 sorry so sorry <laughs> <laughs> well like i said before you guys friend of my head is an awesome podcast and you've heard how amazingly funny and unapologetic about dick size gia is so check that out and we will catch y'all on the flip side thank you for having me i appreciate it so that's that on that Another show in the books. Real quick before we get out of here, chime in. If you have thoughts on what you've heard, sound off. Use the hashtag GaySidePod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show. As a brief reminder, you can listen to this show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, countless others, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Send in any gay side mail to gaysidestories at gmail.com. And that can be letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, pitches for being on the show. If you want me to be on your show, send all of that stuff to gaysidestories at gmail.com. Take a moment to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star rating. And if you really love what I'm doing here, write a review. That's how people find us. And despite how Apple treats that podcast app, it is still the biggest hub for podcasts. And we want to be seen with all that being said. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure you're sharing this podcast with others. I appreciate the likes, but reposting and resharing could potentially turn into a new listener. Remember, you can also find me on Ratchet Ramblings with Jeremy and Candace discussing black reality TV shows and being probably offensive, but it's all in good fun. Lastly, I say this all the time and I mean it. Love yourself and whether you're top, bottom, verse, however you identify, protect your walls or they will crumble. You do not want to be out here with walls like ancient ruins and I'm out. See you guys when I see you.